We look at winners and losers from the Ravens 2022 draft next year on Locked On Ravens. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we return here with another episode of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire. Of course, we're here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Ravens your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. We're back here. It is a Thursday edition episode. And that means we're going to be diving into a bunch of different Ravens-related topics as we do every single day of the week here on Locked On Ravens, Monday through Friday. Here today, though, Going to dive into a bunch of just Ravens news notes and quotes in the first segment, just talking about Xavier Kelly, a bit about Mike Davis as well, and also Tyson Williams kind of continuing that conversation from yesterday and just a little bit of Mike Davis and that contract that he got. We'll talk about the, the specs of that and then Tyson Williams with, with his tender being withdrawn and then also Xavier Kelly, the Ravens waving him In the second and third segments, though, I wanted to take a bit of a different approach. And I know with the draft and everything, it's been it's been super hectic and there's still a lot of draft stuff to talk about, even though the draft is obviously over a week gone by now. But getting into winners and losers from the Ravens in that draft. And what I mean by that is talking about players who were already on the Ravens roster. So obviously veterans and all of the different players at the different positions who were impacted by the selections that the Ravens made. So we'll talk about offense in the second segment, defense in the third segment. I, I kind of went back and forth. I'm like, should it be offense and defense or, or something like that? But yeah, it's going to be offense in the second segment, defense in the third segment, just diving into which players benefited the most and which players really almost like lost something, like maybe lost snaps or lost another thing along those lines. And look, I, I do want to put a disclaimer out because I've heard this before. When I say someone is a, a loser in winners and losers segments, I don't mean like, oh, this guy's a total loser, right? Obviously, what I'm talking about is they lost in terms of maybe snaps or something I just said. So that that's more along those lines. I have heard that before, so mini disclaimer there. So tons to talk about here on Locked on Ravens today. If you're here with us for the first time or if you're here with us for the 719th time, because that is the number of episodes I put out here on Locked on Ravens, thank you for listening a ton. If you're with us in video form so you can see my face and my background, be sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel. It really does help out a lot. If you like daily Ravens content, we put out content five days a week, Monday, Friday, and we talk Ravens all the time. We also are in audio form, and if you hear this in audio form, I greatly appreciate you alongside our video listeners. Is we have the same show in both audio and video form. Be sure to follow us anywhere you get your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and also be sure to turn notifications on and follow me on Twitter at ChaosTracker34 and the Locked On Ravens account at Locked On Ravens. But so let's dive into the content now. Starting off with general Ravens news, notes, and quotes, and. So first, I, I want to talk a bit about Mike Davis some more. I know we talked about it with Kaji Ismail yesterday. If you haven't checked out that episode, I, I highly recommend it. We talk about a lot of good things on that show, and Q is always great. He comes on, and he always provides the insight. But Mike Davis is a player that obviously is not this, like, world-breaking signing. He's not the needle-mover signing, but it's it's a veteran depth signing. That's something that, look, the Ravens were torched, torched with injuries in 2021. And a lot of that obviously was at the running back position with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. And, and I mean, you're looking at it that way. The Ravens at this point cannot have enough running back depth. And 
the Ravens never really had that veteran on the roster until Davis, at least obviously you're talking about last season, you had Freeman and Murray and Bell and all that, but all those guys aren't on the team anymore. You know, it really is. If you're talking about veterans before Davis, it was JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards. Those were the veterans. They're both coming back. Davis is somebody who admittedly struggled as a Falcon last year, averaged 3.6 yards per carry, 138 carries for 503 yards, had three touchdowns. I had him in a couple fantasy leagues actually. And, uh, yeah, didn't, didn't go too well. He was someone who was getting drafted, at least in my leagues, like in the fourth or fifth round. And I thought that was a little too high for him at the time. And, I mean, I picked him when he reached like the sixth, seventh, eighth. But it, it really didn't work out from an on-field perspective or fantasy perspective. But Davis is a player that can come in. He runs hard. The Ravens also, it feels like, are really looking to, I think, maximize talents out of the backfield in terms of pass catchers. So the Ravens draft Tyler Beatty. He was a really good pass catcher at Missouri. Mike Davis, also a very good pass catcher over the course of his career, has caught 44 passes, or no, excuse me, 169 passes for 1,062 yards. I was looking at the 2021 stats. In 2021, he caught 44 passes for 259 yards. So he can do that. He has good hands and is a good route runner out of the backfield as well. And we were kind of talking about it last offseason, right, where J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards were, I think, really excited for that aspect of their game, and we've seen flashes from them in that aspect. J.K. Dobbins during his rookie year, and Gus Edwards has kind of grown his game each and every season. I expected that to be a big part of the the Ravens' passing attack, I guess, in 2021, and we we never really got to see a ton of it because the Ravens then had to shift their entire offense. But now the the question becomes, how many running backs do the Ravens keep on this roster? And it, it really is an interesting question all around, right? You're you're talking about how many running backs, how, how many wide receivers, how many tight ends? Because realistically, if the Ravens could keep, I think, the max a num- the max number I'd feel comfortable with in terms of that when also having to take into account needs at other positions on the defense and other positions on the offense like offensive line. Four running backs to me is kind of like the max that I would keep. And this this is – I'm not putting Patrick Ricard in this conversation. He's in his own category in my opinion. So four running backs – Six wide receivers, four tight ends. That is the max at each position that I would keep if I were the Ravens. Now, there are situations where the Ravens keep three running backs, and maybe it's Dobbins, Edwards, and Beatty, or Dobbins, Edwards, and Davis, or maybe one has to go on the PUP list in Dobbins and Edwards, and then you have a veteran option in Davis. So if it's Edwards, Davis, and Beatty, or Dobbins, Dobbins, Davis, and Beatty, it can be kind of that combination. And then talking about wide receivers also, I think six is, is the max. I feel like this could be a five wide receiver year though. So if the Ravens do sign a veteran like Jarvis Landry, that could be the option there. And then tight end wise, I think they keep four. There's the potential that Nick Boyle gets cut. I personally would keep him. I think he's still very valuable to what the team does. Obviously he does have to be healthy for that talent to be on the field. But again, I think the Ravens can use a lot of different aspects of their offense with the four tight end sets and using those guys all around the field. And Isaiah likely is a guy who can be like a, a wide receiver tight end combo guy. You can, you can line up all over the field. So the Davis signing to me is one that look, it, it's, it's a good move overall. It's not a move that is going to be this like, all right, Davis is going to get a thousand five hundred yards in 15 touchdowns, right? That's probably not going to happen. Never say never, but yeah, I don't think that's going to happen, but he's a solid veteran depth piece. You can never go wrong with having the depth. And in response, the Ravens actually went through the tender from Tyson Williams and the Williams era in Baltimore. Honestly, I tweeted this out. It, it seemed like a blur to me. <laughs> like he had, he had the great preseason played pretty well in week one, although it, it was pass protection. It was effort that we saw 
all that combined. And we all know when, once you get in John Harbaugh's doghouse, it is not easy to get out of that thing. So you get Tyson Williams in the doghouse and John Harbaugh kind of talking about what, what it takes to get on the field in Baltimore. And he says, you know, pass protect and do all this special teams. And Williams just really couldn't carve out a role for himself. So a split was probably best for both sides here. Not saying Williams isn't talented. I think he is, but yeah, you, you kind of look at the, the trajectory of what his season was, wasn't getting on the field. And, you know, the, the Ravens favored those veterans over him. And I think a large part do, I think there was the one effort play. When was it? Was it Denver? It was either Denver or Detroit. It was one of those games. Maybe it was Indiana. It was one of the earlier games where Tyson Williams, there was a fourth down and he like didn't try and everybody kind of got on him about it. And I can't remember exactly the game it was, but I think that was kind of the be all end all of like, okay, Tyson Williams probably not going to work out in Baltimore. So that's what that is. The Ravens bring in Davis. They end up sending out Williams and Williams actually posted on Instagram. He put, put a message out there. You know, he said, thank you. Thankful for the opportunity. So that was a nice little, nice little message he put out there. And then finally the Ravens end up waving Xavier Kelly. Now, not many, many might not remember Xavier Kelly, but Xavier Kelly was an undrafted free agent in 2021 for the Ravens actually tore his Achilles during OTAs and didn't play for the entire season. And so Baltimore clearing up that roster spot and he will no longer be a part of the team. Kelly played at Clemson and transferred to Arkansas. Had I, I actually liked him a lot as an undrafted free agent, but of course we never got to see him due to the injury. And it was just one of one of many, many injuries that the Ravens suffered in 2021. So I'm excited to see what Davis brings to the team. He might not even make the roster outright, right? There, there's not a there's not an 100% chance he makes the roster, but I still think that he can provide veteran depth. He can take carries in the preseason. He can compete with Tyler Beatty and Justice Hill and all those other guys. And at the end of the day, we could see four running backs on this roster. And if, if the Ravens are going back to bully ball, I know Q and I talked about this. If they're going back to bully ball, it makes a little sense. The Ravens could keep four running backs and even four tight ends, and then maybe five wide receivers. We'll talk about all that as the off season goes on, but we'll head into our first break. Now, when we get back, we'll talk a bit about the winners and losers on the offensive side of the ball from the Baltimore Ravens 2022 draft. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a ton to talk about here on lockdown Ravens. First though, I want to tell you a bit about rock auto. And this episode is brought to you by rock auto and there are ever increasing makes and models of cars all around the world now. And it can be impossible for your local chain auto parts store to really stock all the parts you need all the time. And sometimes there can be pointless or even simply intimidating questioning stuff that, you know, you don't know. I don't know. Nobody knows. And you have to wait behind the counter while, you know, the, the people order the parts on their computer and they can really only choose the brand that the warehouse happens to carry because they just don't have anything else. But now you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. And rockauto.com is a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low, really, really low. For every customer, you can go explore their easy-to-use website today. Find the solution to all of your auto parts needs, no matter what they are. Go to rockauto.com right now. See other parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in the head you hear about us, box. I know we sent you amazing selection of live below prices, all the parts of car, wherever you need. Rockauto.com. We're back here. Our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker, your host, still here with you. And again, thank you for making Locked On Ravens your first listen of the day. I greatly appreciate everybody tuning in here today. If you're with us on YouTube, be sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel. I would greatly appreciate that. It helps out a ton. Also, in audio form, be sure to turn notifications on and also follow us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. And again, that really helps a ton also. But let's talk about winners and losers on the offensive side of the ball 
from the Ravens 2022 draft. Now, again, how this is going to work is I'm going to look at players who are already on the roster. So anybody who is now in their second year or beyond on this team, talk about snap counts, talk about depth of positions, talk about weapons leaving, weapons coming in, right, protection, all that stuff. So I think when looking at offense, I think we have to start with Lamar Jackson. I mean, that's just that's the reality of the situation. Lamar Jackson makes makes this team go. And I think Lamar Jackson is both a winner and a loser in this draft. Now, the winner part of this goes to the Ravens really beefed up his protection. And personally, I've said this, if you're drafting a setter at 25, if Tyler Linderbaum is the pick there, I am personally starting him week one unless something goes drastically wrong. Now, this isn't saying that Patrick McCary is a bad player because he was the guy slated in the start before Linderbaum came in, right? But I just think with the talent he has, you get him reps. He is very solid all over the place. Linderbaum is. You have him now. You also invested in the future of the right tackle position with Daniel Faleli, who I, I think when you're talking about maybe a year two starter, I think that's where I see him. But it's investing in obviously the future of Lamar Jackson. You spend that 110th overall pick on an offensive tackle instead of, I don't, I don't know, a cornerback or another defensive lineman or something like that. You're investing in the future of Lamar Jackson and protecting your star quarterback, which is great because we have seen when Lamar Jackson has the time to throw the football, he is a deadly accurate passer. He can make stuff happen with his arm. And even when he's getting chased down by like three defenders, he can still make stuff happen with his arm. It's like he's incredible. But obviously the passing offense in 2021 a lot came crashing down towards the end of the year, but I have been consistent in saying that I saw strides from the passing offense in 2021 in the beginning parts of the season before everything came crumbling down and Jackson goes down. He starts to struggle. The, some of the more injuries happen, right? Ronnie Stanley goes out, but you go back to 2019, Lamar Jackson's MVP season, that offensive line had dudes on it, right? Fully healthy Ronnie Stanley, Marshall Yonda, who's a future Hall of Famer, 100%, Orlando Brown Jr., who was really coming into his own at that time. You had really, really solid players. Matt Skura was playing great football before he went down. Like it was, it was all these different players who were protecting Lamar Jackson. The run game was working. To me, it all starts up front on offense. And so that's where I think Lamar Jackson is a winner. And there have been all these things where it's like, you know, Lamar Jackson has been asked and apparently he said, yeah, you know, give me offensive line over wide receivers. That's stuff that apparently has been said. So if that is the case, you look at it and you're saying, well, all right, the Ravens went out and they, they got him protection and Lamar Jackson is a winner in that aspect, but he is, I, I think not as beneficial and more of on the loser side of things. When you're looking at the Ravens trading away, his number one target in Marquise Brown, right? Marquise Brown's a good player, right? He, he's someone who improved each and every year during there's three years in Baltimore and the fact that he is now in Arizona, it stings a little bit. You know, I think that Jackson in this offense with Brown in it could have thrived in 2022. They could have made it work, but obviously this offense is not for everybody. We all know the relationship that Jackson and Brown have off the field, right? They're, they're really, really good friends. And, and Marquise Brown said, you know, he's one of his best friends. So it must've really hurt in that aspect as well. But Lamar Jackson still does have weapons. The room is not as strong as it was with Brown in it. There, there's no sugarcoating that. So in that aspect, you know, trading away the number one wide receiver and then also not getting another wide receiver in the class, that, that hurts a little bit. So we'll see what the Ravens do with the veteran situation. I still really think they do need to bring in a veteran. But at that stage, 
Lamar Jackson is now down his number one receiver. His new number one is Rashad Bateman. And, and again, we'll see what happens to the position. So I think Lamar Jackson falls both into the winner and the loser category in this situation. But still, I anticipate him having a big year regardless. Next up, we'll talk about the running backs. And I think a pretty big... Well, I'll say the winners. I think J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are both winners in this situation because with the selection of Tyler Beatty, I think that allows them to not rush back and gives the organization, gives them, it gives them more of an insurance policy. And obviously Davis does the same thing, but we talked about him in the first segment. But Beatty is somebody who I think if Dobbins or Edwards or both of them need a little bit more time to recover, need to start the year on the PUP list and just, just have to get back to full strength, I personally want them back at 100%, right? I don't want them rushed if that happens and, oh, J.K. Dobbins comes back 85% and he's like kind of feeling a little like a little bit of discomfort, but it's fine. That's not what I want. And I, I'm sure that's not what a lot of people want. Beatty gives them an option who can both run and receive very well out of the backfield. He is a strong runner, bowling ball. Like the style, he's a bit more shifty than I think Mark Ingram was when he came to Baltimore, but the bowling ball style kind of, kind of reminds me of what Mark Ingram brought where he just doesn't go down at the first contact. And is, he's really strong in that department. So I think that the two injured running backs and Dobbins and Edwards were winners because it gives them a little bit more of a runway in terms of them not feeling forced to rush back. And honestly, if the Ravens didn't take a running back, I, I still think they wouldn't rush him back, but it's, it's just more of an insurance policy and a quality one. At that, I think a loser is Justice Hill, though. Hill is somebody who I thought was not even going to make the 2021 roster, and I honestly don't think he would have unless he obviously got injured, which is what happened, and he ends up going on IR and everything. And honestly, I didn't know if he was part of the team for a couple weeks because I I didn't see him on the Ravens website, and there was like injury settlement talk, but he's back with the team, it seems like now. So he's someone who will be competing with Tyler Beatty and Mike Davis and he didn't really do a lot in the 2021 preseason, really underwhelming in that aspect. And I feel like he is probably the odd man out at this point. Now, a big preseason, big training camp should help him. But again, you have to get there. Now he's competing with a very good running back in Tyler Beatty and obviously Davis as well. And the Ravens have, I think, been a little bit more willing to split with draft picks over the course of the Eric DaCosta era, as opposed to what Isaac Newsom did in his time as the Ravens general manager. So I'm not saying Beatty isn't 100% locked to make the roster or anything, but I still think that it gives him a little bit of an advantage. Just not if, if Hill is a better talent than Beatty at the end of the preseason, Hill's going to make the roster, right? They're not going to just decipher that. Oh, well, Hill played better, but Beatty was a sixth round pick. So no, it's going to have, I still think Beatty makes the roster instead of Hill. But for now, I think Hill is a loser because the Ravens did draft direct competition to him in that situation. I think a, a big winner is an entire positional group. And that's the wide receiver room. Rashad Bateman, Tyler Wallace, Devin Duvernay, James Prochet, all those guys, even when you go a bit further down the depth chart, you know, Benjamin Victor, Jalen Moore, those are all guys who won. The Ravens, again, did not draft a wide receiver in this class. If they did, you know, more competition for snaps, depending on when the guy was drafted. If this was a uh, Jamison Williams or Drake London or Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave, you know, that would be pushing for, oh, maybe wide receiver two territory, right? I still think at this point, Bateman will be wide receiver one. Rashad Bateman, wide receiver one, just because of, you know, the, the second year experience versus a rookie. But you know, that can change very quickly, you know, if a top tier wide receiver in the class was able to produce and do really well. So I think that the Ravens not drafting a wide receiver really did benefit the other wide receivers on the roster. Again, we'll see what the veteran situation is like, but I mean, if I'm Rashad Bateman, I'm feeling good. You know, someone who really can come into this training camp, assuming no veteran is signed again, I, I hope they do, but they don't have a veteran right now. So at this point he is the number one guy and I'd be feeling good if I'm him. I'm feeling good if I'm James Prochet, Tylen Wallace, Devin DuVernay, all guys who people have been banging the table 
to get more reps. And, you know, I think all those guys are talented and should get more reps. And it seems like, again, without the veteran at this point, they will be getting a lot more reps. So those guys are all winners. I'm going to put Nick Boyle in the loser category. I'm going to put Nick Boyle in the loser category. I still think the Ravens keep four tight ends. I'm still on that train. But there is no denying the fact that, you know, drafting two tight ends. And Isaiah Lakely, I know the, the positional value. We don't really know at this point. But four tight ends is a lot on any roster. Now, the Ravens, with their run-first approach, I assume they're going to go even further back to that. With that approach, you know, you, you look at the situation. The Ravens are probably one of the teams that could keep four tight ends as opposed to, a, you know, air raid offense, let's say. But when looking at the Ravens and just what they have at the position, you have Mark Andrews, who's an obvious lock. They're not, I don't think getting, they're not going to get rid of their two fourth rounders in Kohler and likely. So where does that leave Nick Boyle? Boyle, we know is an instrumental piece of the Ravens run game when he is healthy, but he wasn't really able to come back fully. It seems like from that knee injury was kind of on and off and on and off. And it's, it was a brutal injury. I mean, it was a very brutal injury. And I give Nick Boyle a lot of credit for, you know, rehabbing that thing and working really hard to do so. I still think Boyle makes the roster, but I think taking two tight ends does put him in the loser category because the Ravens can save cap space if they release him. Again, I don't think they should do that. But if they do, they have insurance options with Kohler and likely that maybe they say, oh, well, you know what? We need a, we need a low cap space. Nick Boyle has been great for us, but we, we have the next generation and stuff like that. So I, I don't think that happens, but I do put Nick Boyle in the losers category because of that. And then I'll also actually put Patrick McCarry in the – I'm going to put him in the winner and loser category. Obviously for him, it's more loser because obviously with the addition of Linderbaum, it kind of clouds his situation, but I'm putting him in the winner category because in my situation, Vashon McCary is best as a super six offensive lineman. So like realistically he's going in the loser category, but you know what? It's something where I think this will benefit him in the long run. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to start somewhere. Honestly, I think he does. And honestly, what this could do is push him over to the left guard position, which I think he can play very well. I mean, he's someone who can play all five positions, right? So at left guard versus center, you know, there's a bit of experience at the NFL level difference because he has played center at the left at the NFL level. Left guard is a little bit more of a an, an experienced thing for him. But I think a left guard, if you start Linderbaum at center, McCarry at left guard, if, if he's the best option for that, hey, I'm, I'm all for that. Then you have an offensive line fully healthy of Ryan Stanley, McCarry, Linderbaum, Kevin Zeitler, and Morgan Moses at this point. So I think, yeah, for Baltimore, some winners and some losers on the offensive side of the ball for sure. Just because someone is a winner, you know, doesn't mean that, you know, everything is going to go fine and dandy. Just because someone is a loser doesn't mean everything is going to go terrible, right? It's just snap count, competition, all that kind of stuff factoring in to it. But we'll head into our final break here. We'll make it back. We'll be flipping the field, talking about the defensive side of the ball for winners and losers from the Ravens 2022 draft. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Still lots to talk about here. So don't tune away. But first, I'm going to tell you a bit about Bet Online. And our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. And I thought that Warriors and Grizzlies game last night was going to be a 70 point blowout win the way things were going there. But if you want to find the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including the basketball playoffs in that Warriors Grizzlies series, as well as Major League Baseball scores, Fighting even NFL futures, bet online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. Head over to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. 
We're back here. Our final segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Allstriker, your host, still here with you. And again, thank you for making Locked On Ravens your first listen to the day. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube. Follow us anywhere you get your podcasts in audio form. Make sure your second listen is Locked On NFL. As host throughout our network, take you throughout the biggest stories of the week every single weekday there. Let's now talk about the Ravens and the defensive side of the ball, talking about the winners and losers from the 2022 draft class. And pretty much, again, same thing. We're going to look at everybody who was on the Ravens roster before and talk about winners and losers from the draft class in terms of snap counts and everything related to that. So first, I think the entire edge room is winners. And obviously the team did take David Ajabo in this class, second round number 45, but it is, I'd say murky at the moment, whether Ajabo will be able to play this season and play at a high level at that. I think that, you know, when you're looking to 2023, regardless of how he plays in 2022, if he plays in 2022, 2023 for David Ajabo, I think is going to be a very good year for him because I think at that point he will be fully back from his Achilles. But we've seen players come back from the Achilles injuries in really, really short amount of time. I mean, Cam Akers from the Rams being a prime example of that. But I think now what you're looking at is an edge room with Adafi Owe and Jalen Ferguson and Dalen Hayes. And if it, it, it like it feels all right, it feels like Justin Houston's gonna be back with the UFA tender, which is very seldom used in the NFL. I think he'll be back. So obviously I'm not gonna factor him in right now. But with the way the room stands, if Ajabo doesn't end up playing in 2022 or is plays a very limited role in 2022, unless the Ravens sign that's like two veterans. So if Houston is back and then they sign someone else, then I think you can kind of look at this as a, Oh, that's not great for Jalen Ferguson, or maybe Dalen Hayes gets a healthy scratch for most of the season. But for right now, I think Adafi always going to play a really big role for this team. I think that Dalen Hayes is going to play a really big role for this team, especially because when you're thinking about it, when's Tyus Bowles are going to come back, right? I I think that the Ravens are going to rely on a lot of those guys, even maybe Jalen Ferguson as well. There are a couple undrafted free agents who could make an impact there. But I think for guys on the roster, I think Adafi always a huge winner. I think Dalen Hayes is a huge winner. I even, I even think Jalen Ferguson, it, it increases Jalen Ferguson's chances to make the roster, which in my opinion, I, I think that's a win, all things considered. So I'm looking at it that way. I think Baltimore's edge room is a very, very big winner in this. I think that for the defensive line group, Maybe Broderick Washington is a loser, but it, it, I, honestly, I feel like the Ravens can use a lot of their defensive line depth because you're, you're slotting in Travis Jones, right? And obviously, Michael Pierce was there before the draft. He was signed. You have Clay Gamble, Justin Adebike, and Washington himself. And when you're looking at Ravens rotations in terms of their defensive line, you even got to factor in Derek Wolf. I think Travis Jones will have a role on the Ravens in 2022. And Maybe the Ravens want to go super deep and use Campbell, Wolf, Matabike, Pierce, Washington, and Jones. That that I think if you have a six defensive line rotation, you can do that. But having six guys active on game day at that position, you usually see four or five depending. And sometimes it can be matchup based, right? If the Ravens are playing a super run heavy team, a team that's known to do that, maybe they activate five or six as opposed to four. Maybe there'll be four some days and five other days, but for Broderick Washington, you know, if Travis Jones establishes himself, I don't think Justin Matabike is going to be an inactive, you know, obviously if Derek Wolf is back, he's probably not going to be that guy. Right. I mean, he played super well in 2020. Uh, you, you have a lot of options and Michael Pierce, Clay Campbell, you know, and Wolf and those guys aren't going to be inactive. So 
I think Washington, if Jones really does establish himself, could be the game day healthy and active. Maybe it's a situation where the Ravens potentially try to move on from one of their young defensive line guys or someone who, you know, they know is a good player, but they just don't have room for him. So that's really interesting, in my opinion, just kind of looking at what the Ravens could do at the defensive line position with the addition of Jones. I think Jones helps them out a ton, but where does it leave the other guys? I think that for Washington, he's someone who deserves to be on the field. I think he showed that last season, but I think Jones really clouds that a little bit. And then looking at the inside linebacker position, I'd say based off of potential, potential three safety looks, maybe a guy like Malik Harrison is a bit of a a loser in this situation. Actually though, I will. All right. We're going to put Malik Harrison in the winner and loser category winner category because i'm going to factor him into the edge group a little bit because john harbaugh did say he would be cross training at the sam position so the ravens could rely on him a lot as well from that position that's another way for him to get on the field but if the ravens want to run three safety looks they might take harrison off the field is an inside linebacker in those situations feels like the ravens they can roll with him and kind of look at it that way and plus josh Bynes is there and patrick queen is there so I don't know how that's going to look. Maybe Josh Bynes in terms of a snap perspective too. You keep him a little bit fresh with the limited snap count can really keep him throughout the year, just at a hundred percent, which you would hope. So maybe loser in that situation, but I don't, I don't really think the inside linebacker position is that effective. The Ravens don't play a ton of pace base anyway. So we'll see what that ends up doing. But in terms of the cornerback position, I think some winners are, are Brandon Stevens or Darius Washington, potentially. The Ravens, they drafted two guys, but the position is still, I'm, I'm not going to say thin. I think it is a lot deeper than it was, but there are clear opportunities for players like Brandon Stevens and our Darius Washington, and even the rookies such as Jalen Moore Davis and, and Demarion Williams to make an impact on this team. Because outside of Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters, who are you looking at? It's Brandon Stevens. It's Jalen Moore Davis. It's Marion Williams. Darius Washington. It's those players because the Ravens don't have Anthony Averett anymore. No Tavon Young. Chris Westry. Nope. Jimmy Smith. Nope. He's still in free agency. So there are ample opportunities for some of these young guys where it seems like Brandon Stevens will be moving to corner and Darius Washington, you know, moving to corner, it feels like. So you look at those players. I think they are very big winners. And then finally, on the defensive side of the football, this might be the biggest one of one of the biggest losers and that is chuck clark potentially i think chuck clark doesn't have to be as big in that category if he chooses to stay with the ravens right this is somebody who i think is a huge part to their defense somebody who i think plays an instrumental role the green dot a glue guy very sound football player very underrated right is he the best safety in the league no does he have his drawbacks yes absolutely like every player does but just Dreaming of those three safety looks is something that I, I I really want to see. I really want to see those looks. So I think when talking about just where Clark stands with the organization, this whole situation has turned into, well, does he want to stay? Does he want to go? There have been some rumblings, you know, not happy contractually, wants a long-term commitment potentially, right? What's the deal with maybe him not wanting to kind of give up a little bit of money, a little bit of commitment for that, because look, with the with, with the Ravens having Hamilton and Marcus Williams, you know, if you're looking at just, oh, all right, two safeties, where are they going to be? It's going to be Williams and Hamilton, right? Clark is the quote unquote odd man out in that situation because the Ravens do play so little base and they're able to put guys on the field and play them all over the place. Chuck Clark can be a dime linebacker. So when looking at actual, all right, 
would the Ravens let Chuck Clark walk at the end of his contract? You know, is he going to lose a couple snaps here and there? Yeah, I mean, Chuck Clark falls in that loser category, but I think still he can turn this situation if he did, if he does decide to stay. And it's it's his it's his right to choose. You know, if he wants an opportunity, it's a business for the for the organizations. It's a business for the players too. And if he wants to choose that opportunity, that is that's all on him, and that's completely okay with me. Whatever he decides, but I personally like him to stay in Baltimore. And I think for me, if Chuck Clark decides to stay. He's somebody who I think can still play a very big role on this defense in multiple different ways. And actually, I guess a bonus player in the loser category, Sam Cook, with Jordan Stout coming in, it feels like his time in Baltimore is unfortunately coming to an end in the, in the relative future, right? I'd be shocked if the Ravens cut a fourth round punter. <laughs> I'd, I'd be actually kind of wondering why they would make the pick if that happens. So I think he's going to be, Jordan Stout is going to be in Baltimore for a very long time. He'll be able to learn from Cook and, Again, it's really unfortunate based off what Cook has done for this organization for sure, but it does seem like his time is up with the Ravens, and I wouldn't keep two punters on this roster. You know, I feel like if you want to have Cook there for the offseason, but if the team wants to release him, let him find a new home, I think that'd be something that they could do as well. So Cook, the the final loser in the winners and losers category of this episode of Locked on Ravens. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in. When we get back here tomorrow, we will be diving into more Ravens talk, looking at the Ravens' official 2022 schedule. So be sure to stay tuned for that, and I will see you tomorrow.